Buenos dias. Welcome. It's the 19th of August, a Wednesday. Yay. And we're looking at a kind of long passage today from the first, no, second book of the Bible, Exodus 1, beginning with verse 8, all the way to chapter 2, verse 10. It's the Word of God. In the devotional, we're calling Moses. Hear now the Word of God, verse 8. A new king came to power in Egypt who didn't know Joseph. He spoke to his people in alarm. There are way too many of these Israelites for us to handle. We've got to do something. <clears throat> Let's devise a plan to contain them, lest if there's a war, they should join our enemies or just walk off and leave us. So they organized them into work gangs and put them to hard labor under gang foremen. They built the stored cities, Pithom and Ramesses, for Pharaoh. But the harder the Egyptians worked them, the more children the Israelites had. Children everywhere. The Egyptians got so they couldn't stand the Israelites and treated them worse than ever, crushing them with slave labor. They made them miserable with hard labor, making bricks and mortar and back-breaking work in the fields. They piled on the work, crushing them under the cruel workload. King of Egypt had a talk with two, with the two Hebrew midwives. One was named Shifra and the other Pua. He said, when you deliver the Hebrew women, look at the sex of the baby. If it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. But the midwives had far too much respect for God. Thank God that they did. And didn't do what the king of Egypt ordered. They let the boy babies live. But the midwives had far too much respect for God, thank God, and didn't do what the king of Egypt ordered. They let the baby boys live. The king of Egypt called in the midwives, Why didn't you obey my orders? You let those babies live. Midwives answered Pharaoh, The Hebrew women aren't like the Egyptian women. They're vigorous. Before the midwives can get there, they've already had the baby. God was pleased with the midwives. The people continued to increase in number, a very strong people. And because the midwives honored God, God gave them families of their own. So Pharaoh issued a general order to all his people. Every boy that is born, drown him in the Nile, but let the girls live. A man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and had a son. She saw there was something special about him and hid him. She hid him for three months. When she couldn't hide him any longer, she got a little basket boat made of papyrus, waterproofed it with tar and pitch, and placed the child in it. Then she set it afloat in the reeds at the edge of the Nile. The baby's older sister found herself a vantage point a little way off and watched to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter came down to the Nile to bathe. Her maiden strolled on the bank. She saw the basket boat floating in the reeds and sent her maid to get it. She opened it and saw the child, a baby crying. Her heart went out to him. She said, this must be one of the Hebrew babies. Then his sister was before her. Do you want me to go and get a good nursing mother from the Hebrew so she can nurse the baby for you? Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, go. The girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter told her, Take this baby and nurse him for me. I'll pay you. The woman took the child and nursed him. After the child was weaned, she presented him to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her son. 
she named him Moses, pulled out, saying, I pulled him out of the water. This is the word of God for the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Well, happy Wednesday to you, dear friend. I pray the length of today's passage didn't scare you nor prevent you from reading it on your own when you get a chance because it is a complete story of the Hebrews and how they came to be enslaved in Egypt. But I pray this finds all of you doing well today. If you've not yet done a DNA test on yourself, I would highly recommend it. There are a couple of companies, and no, I don't own stock in any of the companies that do that sort of testing, so I'm not doing this for any profit. But I am saying that you will be truly amazed of what you may discover is in your lineage. The only person that I know whose blood is pure, more or less, or so he claims, is Conan O'Brien. If you don't know who Conan is, he's a late show TV host on TBS. He's a tall, red-headed gentleman. Very big hair on top and quite funny and absolutely Irish, according to his DNA. And believe it or not, I've had my test done through Ancestry.com. And there's also 23andMe and I don't know, other companies that you can find. But Ancestry.com says, I have Irish blood in my veins too, and Jewish blood. And quite a mixture of what we used to lovingly and jokingly called uh, our little mixed doggies, the Hind 57 variety. Well, that would be me and probably you, unless you're related to Conan. I begin with that because of what we learned about our relatives, the Jews, in today's passage. If you start with verse 1 of chapter 1, you'll get the complete story that basically says that Joseph and all his family died. His brothers, sisters, dad most of their children and from the survivors came a heap i mean a heap of hebrews so numerous that the new pharaoh said what i read above whoa there'd be too many hebrews and if we ever get into a scrap with some enemy they might just change sides and whoop us so the descendants of the governor of egypt became slaves to the new ruling class in egypt can you believe that once on top of the world, once the guy that made all the decisions for Pharaoh, second only to Pharaoh, and he was able to bring his family and their maids and, and servants, and they stayed there, and now most of that first generation was gone. Here is a new ruling class in Egypt, and guess what the ruling classes get from slaves? They get a lot of free labor. And as the scripture said, these slaves built the storage cities mentioned above, Pithom and Ramesses. And as verse 12 says, in a very honest way, the more they worked in the hot sun, the more children they had. <laughs> or as the author words it in this modern version of the message, children everywhere. So many children that the Egyptians could not stand the Israelites anymore. They got treated worse. And they piled on the work in hopes that they would get more work out of it, maybe even harm them in the process. And the new Pharaoh went and had a talk with the two, only two, midwives who were told how to treat the newborns. Basically, he said, if they're male, kill them. If they're female, let them live. What a nice king, no? But thank God these ladies were God-fearing ladies, and they made up an excuse for the number of boy Jews that were being born. And this prompted the king to say to all the people, if you see a baby Hebrew, drown him. 
but let the girls live. Not a very good edict to have hanging over you if you're a more or less righteous Egyptian and then you see a baby Hebrew but I'm sure there was plenty that tried to follow the king's edict and drowned all these Hebrew boys but a certain woman from the line of Levi married a Levi man she became pregnant and had a son Scripture says, and I'm quoting, she saw there was something special about this boy and hid him, close quotes, for three months. And the mother made a waterproof basket in which she wanted to float the baby for his own good. She had a plan. Long story short, that was Moses, who was found by Pharaoh's daughter, who claimed him as her own. And thanks to the sister, seeks a wed nurse to nurse him. And who did they find? Well, his own mother. Isn't that incredible? (laughs) And when the boy was fully weaned, his mother presents him back to the princess, who adopted him as her own son, even giving him this name Moses, which means pulled out or drawn out, for he was pulled out of the water. A couple of weeks ago, friends, we addressed the reality of the family and the situation of the family, both in biblical times and even today, and and we know there are no perfect families. But we thank God that back then as well as today, there are some good moms and some good dads out there. And this, the mother of Moses, was just such a person, a good mom who did all she could to save his life and to make sure that he was guaranteed a good life. Keep in mind that after weaning him, she no longer got to see him. She no longer had him around like she would have loved to have, as all moms do for all their kids. But I can almost bet that during the short time that she had him under her care, she tried to impress on his soul who he was, where he was from, and who was his God. Those three. Who he was, where he was from, And who was his God? We already know of his great leadership and the important role he played in the freeing and forming of God's people in that massive event we know as the Exodus. And it came as a result of his mother's faith. I don't mean to downplay dad because I know he played a role too. And whatever his role, he blessed the work of God in that baby, not knowing that one day the people of Israel would still be around today because of what the baby was able to do once he was grown. We should never, friends, never underestimate the importance of a kind and uplifting word to a young one. Doesn't even have to be your own child. It may be a word that stays with them and allows them to shine for such an hour as may be needed later on in their life. I saw a very short video yesterday from a Harvard professor who did not drop out of school because of what one high school teacher shared with him when he needed to hear it the most. And this Harvard professor was reflecting on that word and decided he would just call him up. And he found his phone number, called him, and the old man wept to hear this Harvard professor say that it was because of something that he said, because of his interest in the boy, that the word shared with him allowed him to finish school 
and to become a professor in one of the world's finest institutions of higher education. The old man asked if he was coming down for Christmas, and the professor said, yes, and let's get together. When they were together that Christmas holiday, the teacher said, you called me on the very day that I was retiring, and the school had a nice farewell, but I was feeling sad that in reflecting over my many years of teaching and all that I had done, that perhaps I had not reached any student in any good, positive way. And then the phone rang. You and I know, friends, that words have power on their own. And so I encourage you, my dear friend, use your words wisely and carefully and use them to build the cathedrals of tomorrow by building up the little ones now. Let's pray. Awesome Father, we the world over are blessed by the actions and the faith of Moses. I know that perhaps the mother and the father may have not seen what their son was able to do many years later because of what they had done. Much in the same way, we may not know what our little ones might do because of what we have shared with them. So allow us to share faith and hope in ways that nothing nor no one can take away from them. And when that hour comes, when they have to shine, may those little ones shine brilliantly and mightily as only those with you in them can. This we pray in Christ Jesus' strong name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great and blessed day in the Lord. Here's your assignment. Find a little one, or maybe not a little one, maybe an old one, that you can truly bless with a strong, solid word of hope, love, compassion, faith, joy, whatever the Spirit gives you. And then sit back and wait to see what happens. Receive my blessings of hope and peace. I'm Pastor Radio Valverde. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.